This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Whisper Network. I'm Dr. Nikita T. Hamilton. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Whisper Network. I am here with Wesley Allsbrook, and I'm going to give you her intro, and we're going to get to talking to this amazing human being. So Wesley is an illustrator, art director, and artist who has been employed by Oculus Story Studio, Felix and Paul, The Discovery Channel, Maria Bello VR Productions, and Google. Her VR credits are Dear Angelica and The Sun Ladies, which were both selected for Sundance, which is amazing. She currently is developing a production company with a creative partner and writing. Welcome to the Whisper Network, Wesley. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kia. Yeah. So first things first, um, what do your career titles mean? Uh, depends on who I'm working for, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, I didn't think that they meant anything until I was trying to get an agent. Okay. And I started off like I've been an illustrator for like 10 years working mm-hmm. um, for media and after I did Dear Angelica, that was more like art director, director, writer work, mm-hmm. um, where I made all of the assets for the piece, but I also got to, you know, work with a team and, you know, like feel a sense of power. Mm-hmm. And then um, my creative producer introduced me to her agent. And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if you should use the word illustrator. <laughs> I think maybe you should call yourself like like director or artist or like if we get you on a new project, let's say created by Wesley Allsbrook Mm -hmm. you know like you gotta you gotta like give yourself some context and it turns out that nobody knows what any of these words mean Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) like production wise like nobody knows what I'm doing when I'm an illustrator and sometimes when I'm an illustrator I'm doing a lot more sometimes um when I'm doing an art director it actually means that like I'm physically kind of doing a lot less I just People don't know enough about my job for any of these things really to matter. But I mean, like... Well, what's your job to you? What would you say you do? um, I I draw and write. Mm -hmm. And um, I make worlds. And the way that I think about writing is that, you know, like... Sometimes you get an image right. And there's an image that you can't get out of your head. And the way that you approach kind of like writing that world or writing that image is you're like, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's what this is about. And then you can get an entire story out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess that's what my job is. That's cool. I almost feel like you should, your title should just be world builder. Well, that sounds grandiose. And also <laughs> nobody knows what that means either. They don't know what the other things mean. <laughs> Wesley, you could just say what you want. Hi, I'm Wesley Ellsberg. I'm Jesus. <laughs> I build worlds dope uh hired um so what was your journey to to your career what did that look like for you where did it begin so I always knew that I wanted to be 
I don't know. I always knew that I wanted to write and draw. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I went to the Rhode Island School of Design. Cool. And I, uh, I was an illustrator or an illustration major with a post-colonial lit minor. <laughs> and um, then I went to New York with uh, my then boyfriend and it was like the recession hit mm -hmm. and my career happened and his kind of like you know, um, struggled for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, after kind of being in New York for like about seven years, eight uh -huh. years, and pretty much making about like $45,000 a year, maybe at most, I got a, an email from Oculus Story Studio, which mm -hmm. is now defunct. Mm -hmm. um, but it was Oculus, the VR company's uh, sort of story slash software kind of production company thing. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to come to San Francisco and make um, illustrative VR, whatever mm -hmm. that was. <laughs> and they put me on this project that this woman, uh, Jillian Tamaki, had just kind of come off of. And it was just about a kind of like a millennium actress type story. Mm. And um, yeah, they built a program for me to draw in virtual reality. So it's like the cool. first film that's like drawn in VR for VR. And so, of course, nobody's seen it. And it's 13 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but what was neat about them making a program for me was that I was the only one making the assets for the piece. Mm -hmm. And this up uh, upends kind of traditional production structures for animation. Mm -hmm. But it also, um, yeah, it just, I could I could write for the first time. Like, I could, I could make comics. Like, I at the time, I was I was selling long form comics, and I was really excited about making narrative more a part of my life, and that was the next stage. And then, you know, Dear Angelica happened. It was cool. Um, I mostly like work and draw in VR for different companies now, and I moved to LA so that I mean, in my mind, so that I could work on a friend's feature animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so the arc. cool. So that kind of that experience kind of helped open the door for you exploring narrative more and writing more. Yeah, definitely. But it was kind of a, a backdoor kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like, uh, I don't know. No, nobody nobody trusts you for a role that they don't want you in. Um, That's and, true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like when I came out to San Francisco, um, I had just sold um, my first long-form comic. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, the director and also the creative director of the studio was like, I'm going to do the writing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I had control of all the assets, like I, you know, I, I got the chance to do it, but I don't think that that was what I was hired for. I mm -hmm. was hired to do concept art. Yeah. You kind of paved, you paved, you paved some of it yourself. Yeah. No, I got, I got really lucky in that regard. <laughs> cool. Um, so how did you segue that experience, that, that kind of because it went to Sundance and because people were seeing it, that kind of helped segue you towards towards Hollywood. But how have you been taking or trying to take advantage of that? Everybody in VR is trying to use virtual reality to access Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And it can the thing about VR is the only the only talent that's truly valuable in it is the talent of your engineers. Mm. Um I like, we couldn't have made Dear Angelica without all of the work um, that was done in terms of interactivity, like that's game engine work, mm -hmm. um, or all of the work that was done to create the program that I used to make the assets. Like, all I'm doing is is drawing and or coming up with ideas, and that's what 
what makes me um, interesting. That's what's always kind of made me interesting if I am interesting. But <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like in VR, your piece is really only as good as your engineers and the extent to which your engineers are really willing and able to work with your creatives. Mm -hmm. And um, what you have in the VR community right now is a lot of um, kind of auteurs, like people who come from backgrounds where they couldn't break into film or where they, they couldn't break into um, animation the way that they wanted to. And mm. so they're like, okay, I'm going to use this tech and this tech is going to give me status. It's going to make me interesting. And it's going to, you know, open up Hollywood and mm. Hollywood money. And, you know, like that kind of filmmaking context to me in a way in which it was like inaccessible before. Like, um, I don't know, like not to talk shit, but like I said, I was an editorial illustrator before working yeah. in VR. The creative director of that studio, he was a layout artist at Pixar. Mm -hmm. um, he'd had his own production company before, but like that was in film. Mm -hmm. And he was interested in making art films and the VR thing was a detour. Um, and yeah, our CTO also from Pixar and then the, you know, like the kind of EP head of studio, like Edward Saatchi, mm -hmm. he's just sort of like, um, this rich British guy who loved America and <laughs> wanted to find a way to um, make movies too. Like that's why he wanted to make Story Studio. He's like, oh, let's like let's make film, but like let's let's be Lumiere. Um, yeah, let's make trains run over people's faces, and you know, like uh, let me find a way to be important in this community that probably wouldn't accept me in any other way. Mm -hmm. So what that's I interesting. I, I guess I never thought about. I I I, th I think when I th think about VR, I always think about it as like people in Hollywood who now want to try to enter VR, but not people using VR to enter Hollywood. That's really fascinating. Well, they tricked you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is supposed to be like the next frontier that people are going to like try or like try to use or understand. But I didn't. R yeah, I didn't realize it was like kind of the reverse. They tricked you. They, um, <laughs> they did. They did a fantastic but job. I can all I can say for people in Hollywood is that actually you don't want to be in VR because like none of these people respect you. None of these people like want to work with you. And everybody in VR is clawing their way to Hollywood, trying to be you, trying to gain access to some kind of status and some kind of um, I don't know. They're trying to gain access to the real kind of like plastic stuff mm -hmm. about kind of being creative. Because what I've seen from the creatives that I've worked with in this industry is that they don't care about the teams that they're working with. Like mm -hmm. they don't they don't try to sit down with their engineers and being like, okay, hey, like what's the, what are the constraints of your job? Like how much time is it, does it take you to do these things? What do you want to make? And mm -hmm. let me find the right engineer to make the thing that I want to make so that we can have a collaborative relationship that's about push and pull. Mm -hmm. Like what I've seen is people with a chip on their shoulder go to a workforce and say, this is what we're going to make. And the engineers being like bored and unhappy doing it and then like not getting any credit. Mm -hmm. We're not getting enough credit. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, yeah, like when you see these projects, like the sort of like the thing that Jessica Chastain is going to be in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that kind of got funded at Sundance last year through Kaleidoscope and Renee Pinnell. Do you know what I'm talking about at all? No, I don't know. Don't worry. I think it's called Spheres. Um, uh -huh. But um, yeah, um, I mean, that was a that was a real kind of lucky get, but it took sort of like two or three years of VR showing up at Sundance and being like, hey, we're a thing. Hey, mm -hmm. we're a thing to get, you know, people to even kind of like notice it and believe in it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Since VR began, people have been trying to trying to get 
the layperson um, to believe that it's a thing with longevity. And it's finally catching. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, don't get into VR, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, 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 what I found, I was, I, I watched some, um, I think there was like a, a couple of videos of like you being interviewed about Dear Angelica and what I, as I was watching, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about building a world in my mind in that way. And I don't know if it's because I, I'm so, you know, script TV 2D is the way that I think about it to, to even, I think I, I think I would need a little time to even think about building a world that was, that looked like that and like how that would even be filmed and like, look, so I find it interesting, but I, I think right now I'm so, I'm so focused on breaking into TV that I'm like, I got to think 2D right now. <laughs> think 3D. Um, but so so now you're working, you have a creative partner, you're creating this production company, you guys are like writing, wanting to make a show. How has it been for you now? You're, you're you know, trying to do television, trying to be in, in Hollywood fully immersed. <laughs> it's been weird. Um, so yeah, like that, that agent that I mentioned mm -hmm. that I got, um, he like, he kept wanting me to do these weird VR things that I didn't really kind of want to do and mm -hmm. then I came into their offices and I pitched them the show mm -hmm. that um, my partner and I wanted to make and um, yeah then I'd like I didn't hear from him for like three months mm -hmm. and then four months and then like nothing was happening and it's like huh well that was interesting <laughs> and at the same time I was working in a studio where um, a ton of other um, guys were like they took this this concept they had had for a long time and they slotted in a female character and they were like selling it through him and that mm -hmm. was really annoying yeah <laughs> um and then like we didn't really know how to sell a tv show so mm -hmm. we you know like we would go in and production companies would be like what's your strategy and maya and i would be like oh well it's pretty scattershot <laughs> um like we're talking to um we're talking to distributors and we're talking to production companies at the same time because we just don't know what you people want yeah um and um the thing is like we kept getting soft yeses and soft no's from everybody mm -hmm. and the thing is like it was two women um uh writing you know for like a female audience but i think everybody could watch this piece mm -hmm. and we didn't have like we weren't packaged mm -hmm. and so the funny thing has been discovering what is going to make a network excited about mm -hmm. you and for some friends i'm like they're like yeah we did a couple of drawings like we wrote like a quick like deck and then we came in and we sold a thing mm -hmm. and for me and maya it's been like okay like make a deck write a pilot script make a radio play um go and find production companies and then we like we talked to all of these people and we kept talking to dudes <laughs> and then we we went and talked to this sort of like this women's production company in new york and i gotta tell you talking to women and, and it's like night and day like <laughs> Um, we had, they had, we came in and they had read everything that we had sent. Mm -hmm. Um, they had listened to our radio play. Like we explained the entire plot arc for the first season. It mm -hmm. made sense to them. And like, we felt so validated mm -hmm. and granted they, they did say something to us like, oh, like you're going to need to get a showrunner and then mm -hmm. we're going to find a vendor. We're going to package this thing for you. And then we're all going to go out together. And mm -hmm. I think that for first time, ladies the message that we've been getting over and over again is yeah you need to you need to package yourself in the right way mm -hmm. but yeah getting validated like that was really cool but also made us really angry yeah i mean you're you'd experience something that you 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 were basically saying you saw differences along 
gender lines, right? And like how you were received and understood. So being upset makes sense. But I'm glad that you found a production company that got it. Yeah. That's what, you know, you only need one to get it. Yeah. And we're getting the sense that maybe like this is why people, the same people keep working with each other over and over again. It's actually, it is really kind of hard to find real creative partners. It Mm -hmm. is really hard to find people who will listen to you. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, um, we're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So we talked about this a little bit, not, not on the, on the pod, but for you, your particular career, is it male dominated? Is it mostly men? In VR, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, on Dear Angelica, uh, there were two women on creative, um, not counting um, the two women who were um, the voice actresses on the piece, May Women and Gina Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one woman engineer, and she only touched it kind of briefly. Her name's Erin Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the team were guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Sashka, the director, um, this this kind of uh, like German guy with two moms. And so he, yeah. he like, I don't know, he's interested in writing stories about like meat cutes and about like moms, um, but girls relationships with mm-hmm. mothers, which I thought was like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say from the meetings that Maya and I have taken, as far as like selling our adult animated comedy, um, yeah, we were always pitching to men except for one meeting at Netflix and then the nice one that we had in New York. Mm, so really interesting. Um, so for you, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little, but how are, how is your feeling of being a woman in that space? Well, it was awful. Like, I don't know. Um, all right. So in New York, like I said, I wasn't making that much money. Mm-hmm. I was living off the Crown Heights Utica stop um, in an apartment that was owned by a family friend with a boyfriend that I wasn't getting along with, and mm-hmm. I had like less than three thousand dollars in my bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out to San Francisco, um, like, like the, my, the even like the way that I met these guys was um, was difficult for me because like I, I met the director at a cafe, and then I went up to his apartment mm-hmm. to see like my first VR thing, and it's weird to go up to somebody's house, yeah, and have them put something on your face where right. you can't see, <laughs> yeah. And you're just like in an apartment alone with a guy um, while you're like having this disorienting experience. And then you get a call on a phone from somebody who's offering you like a lot of money, who but who like very quickly after that like switches into like flirtatious Facebook messages. Like the other, <laughs> like I was like within my first month of working at Story Studio, I was asked out by two of three heads of studio. Oh. One of them was sending me um, this like T.S. Eliot poetry. Um, like there's this one T.S. Eliot poem where he um, he talks about, uh, you know, he it's basically like he's at a cafe with a woman and he's having a conversation with her and he's listening to her laugh and he's hoping that the waiter will come soon because he's following her laugh down her throat and he's just like about to come. Um, yeah, T.S. Eliot oh, wrote like, sexy yeah. poetry. <laughs> but, like, this is not, like this is not a thing that your future boss can send to you. Yeah, that's definitely not. That's and, an HR violation for sure. <laughs> And, and this was like week one. This was like before I had even started working there. 
And then I show up in the office, and it's cool. Like, people hug you, and they, they set you up in an apartment that's outside the city, and you don't know how to get there. And then, like, it's two weeks of trial and error work. Yeah. And, like, I'm doing, like, boards and doing VizDev, and nothing is working. And I'm calling Maya, it's my friend, uh-huh. production company friend. And I'm like, oh, my God, Maya, I'm going to lose this job. I'm fucked. <laughs> um, until Inigo, the you know, like the engineer, like my main engineer on that piece, like made this drawing program. And then after that, they hired me for like a fixed amount of time mm. um, for um, a f- lump sum. Okay. And I was waiting for this lump sum to come in. And that's when like, you know, these two people asked me out. And like one of them like asks me to go to the Santa Cruz boardwalk with him. And like it's... He abandons me in a bookstore, and I have no money, and I can't get back. What? And <laughs> I'm um, so sorry. This all like sounds... the other one like takes me out to a movie, and then takes me for a drink, and my purchase order hasn't come in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is it time to have sex or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am so sorry. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's like, but the thing is, like, that's really normal. Yeah. Like, my story is not unique in tech. Um, you can. Like, I have, I only worked in this office mm-hmm. for, um, you know, a year. Yeah. And, um, like, they wouldn't call me a co-director or a co-creator on the piece. One of the um, producers, like, called me at one time a mascot. Um, I was paid $36 an hour, mm-hmm. um, which is, it comes out to, like, with stuff taken out for 401k and, and taxes, like, about... Um, 90 a year mm-hmm. and um, most of the baseline salary for all of the other talented people in that office was 120 wow. a year mm-hmm. um, and let's see what else what are my other grievances <laughs> um, yeah you know like the company's PR wouldn't let me self-promote um, even though I was a contractor mm-hmm. and for a company to devalue your work in the context of their working environment without providing you any kind of job security is actually like illegal in the state yeah. of California um uh yeah one of their PR people once told me to put on a sweater because they didn't like that like my nipples were sticking out in an event um what else what else oh yeah and they tried to keep me out of press for like a piece that I had worked on with yeah. a year with this team of people that I really cared about mm-hmm. and I don't know like but the thing is I only worked in this space for a year Mm-hmm. And whenever I talk to my friends who work at Google and Facebook, mm. it's like ongoing. They have all kinds of shit that they can say to me about their managers, about the people that work with them. And it just flows out of them like mm-hmm. at dinner or over drinks. But then they get up and go to work in the morning. Yeah. I left. Like, yeah. I have the privilege of being able to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Like I've always like worked by myself and I learned a lot working at a company. Like it solidified my politics. Mm-hmm. And I think that at a certain point if your trauma doesn't, you know, turn into your politics, then you need some therapy. <laughs> but like oh my God. Um yeah, they have to they have to be there every day and deal with the shit and mm-hmm. find a way to politically organize around it so that they can keep their careers on track yeah. and uh, continue to make that money. So do you, do you feel actually like having that experience and now coming into Hollywood, which clearly has had it has its own issues and problems? How how are you and my like kind of 
protecting yourself from you know like honestly we're refusing to work with men okay we don't work with men okay (laughs) like that's not happening yeah you're you're over it no like this thing happened recently we're like we're we were just about to have the good meeting the good Uh new york meeting the meeting where somebody finally listens to us and like maybe like everybody has a good meeting and then maybe the show happens and maybe it doesn't and that's Mm -hmm. that's cool that's everybody's dream but it was so good to get validated just once but as this was happening someone in my studio came to me and was like hey wesley Mm -hmm. we're trying to package some shows so that we can make them Make them with these uh, this production company that just got off making like a ton of those Captain America movies, and so we want to use your show. But tell you what, like, why don't you change the style that you're working to make it more like our studio style? And why don't you use our studio as our production company? Mm-hmm. And maybe we would own this work. And like, why don't you make an animatic to like prove yourself to us? Because we're not super confident having like read the script and seen your deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, fuck you, yeah, fuck you. I've been working in this studio for a year. <laughs> A year I've been working around you boys, and I've been giving you, like, notes on your work. I care about you. I think about you all the time. I'm trying to make you... Well, I just don't... I'm just trying to keep you from making mistakes, and that sounds really fucking patronizing, but you do seem to listen when I talk, but mm-hmm. maybe I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, um, you can't... I, Maya and I had to talk about this because it's like, oh, well, should we get a man showrunner? Mm-hmm. Should we get a dude on our show? Should we um, – what compromises can we make and what compromises can we not make? And she was like, you know, Wesley, I, I, I don't care about this mm-hmm. business that much. Mm-hmm. Um, people here are talking about um, wanting a change. Um, like women in animation is um, kind of doing a lot of good work and, you know – me too is a thing Mm -hmm. and people say that they want more diversity and people say that they have a mandate for women's animation so if they want us cool Mm -hmm. but if not like i don't know like for now like we're working with each other we're working with people we like and we're not going to do this unless like unless we're happy yeah um and i think we care more about each other's happiness (laughs) than we do about making a thing it would be so easy for me to say to the people that worked in my old studio space totally yeah i would love to work with those guys who made the captain america movies Mm -hmm. yeah like i will change my style i will change my voice i will use you your production company all dudes (laughs) to make this work that is about women but because you know i am desperate to make uh what i want to make but um I don't know. Like, I'm making what I want to make because all of my friends are in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when I... All right. So, like, we started making our show um, when we had... When we realized that a creative partner that we had had for some years was a serial rapist. Mm. Um, and that's when we started getting closer. And, you know, the thing is, like, we we talked to all of our friends and it turns out, like, everybody's got a rape story. And, you know, mm-hmm. who cares? Because, like, we're working in tech and Trump is president. Yeah. And there's this groundswell of feeling that's like, oh, like, like that's the sort of women's revenge moment. But what I really honestly feel is fatigue and loss of respect and loss of love. Mm-hmm. And that is the most painful thing. And I want to I want to make work that kind of gets me back to a place of um, loving and caring for and respecting my male counterparts. But in the meantime, I'm just going to take a pause. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I I I love that you're saying the reason why you created your work, you, you don't want to. 
you don't want to injure the integrity of your work. And I think that's important. And I think that not everyone in this industry feels that way about, you know, maintaining the integrity of their intention. And um, it sounds like you're on the road to making sure that stays intact and like getting your work out there. And I'm excited to like one day see your stuff. I would love to show you our deck. Yeah. Show me your deck. (laughs) Show me the deck. I feel like I'm going to love the deck. I I think I'm going to understand it. It's going to be great. Well, you seem like a thoughtful, thorough woman. <laughs> um, so you, um, you, you've had this experience across different channels, and like, what do you feel are the similarities and differences between having worked for like newspapers, magazines, TV, film, tech? Like, what are what are things that you think stay are very much the same, and what do you think are are very different? Uh, I think that the things that I've seen kind of overarchingly are that are similar are the kinds of relationships that get cultivated between artists and artist managers. Mm. Um, and just, I don't know, in terms of how much artists are paid versus how much their managers are paid. And also, um, there is this need in production to isolate Mm. the artist, um, in terms of, like, how much do they know about the rest of the production that they're on? Um, Like, for instance, when you're working with a newspaper, like, you get an article, an art director calls you, you get an article, you read the article, he sends sketches, they approve sketches, your piece is in the paper, you're done. But, like, you never get the chance to talk to the author of the piece. Hmm. You can do your own research to get background on your subject, um, but... I found it really kind of rewarding the few chances that I have gotten to be able to work with authors. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a sense that in production, if you allow creatives to kind of work together or if you allow them to become aware of scope beyond the scope in which they are working, um, that that um, that kind of scales, that kind of scales things. It it creates messes. Mm. Um, So there's this idea that creatives are unpredictable and need to be steered and need to be isolated and in my mind this leads to like a lot of creative dissatisfaction (laughs) um but that's just like a theory that i have i mean i've never been a producer so i don't know what it's like to to manage creatives in that way Mm. um so i'm speaking i'm speaking from a like a pretty privileged place but what i really kind of valued about being able to like make assets in vr was like i was doing character work background work and writing work because like you got boards and you got character and background they're all kind of incumbent mm-hmm. in the same kind of like thing that you're doing and that was really exciting for me to be able to operate on all of those scales and when you look at animation production it's like you know you have one you have sets of individuals for each of those roles mm-hmm. and then those people in their off time like they're writing comics or they're making like their own art or their jobs aren't like really really satisfying to them and that's Mm. because like they're kept within like a very particular scope and maybe that's just production art and maybe that's how you make something that's large Mm. um but it's made me think that maybe the happiest people work on smaller teams Mm -hmm. because they're able to understand like sometimes like i send an art director something and they can't use it because they're not aware of um like, they're not aware of what I was thinking when I made it. And, like, I'm not aware of, like, the context that they truly needed it for. Like, I, I'm always giving – I'm always having this feeling of not having a good enough sense of where my work is going mm-hmm. after it's leaving my hands. 
Um, and I think that if I could communicate more with the other people that I'm working with, like we would all be happier mm -hmm. because they would have a feeling of creative input and I would have a feeling of control over context mm -hmm. and concept. So yeah, I, does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I think that like having that similarity of like an isolation is very like fascinating. And um, I think especially with something, you know, being in something like TV writing where it's a lot of times it's about collaboration, right? It's about understanding. It's about hearing other people's ideas, understanding them, putting them together, creating the story, telling a narrative, really delving into characters, but together, mm -hmm. right? So the idea that if you if, it, if we're working on an animation, then to have the the people who are bringing that to life isolated is very yeah. You got because like yeah. so on TV shows you got um, if they're board driven, right? Mm -hmm. That's the collaborative part because you got like a lot of artists slash writers in the room and they're writing and mm -hmm. they're doing their boards. And then they take those boards and they say, and the art director gets them and it's like, okay. So they send out a bunch of reference to um, artists that are taking the boards and making them into more fully fleshed out backgrounds in the style of the show. And mm -hmm. often the background art won't even be colored. Mm -hmm. It'll just be background art that the characters can exist in. Mm -hmm. And so like the characters are one job. The background's pre-color is another job. The background's post-color is yet another job. And then, um, I don't know. Um, like if you think about the way that, I don't, I mean, I don't know how, it depends the sound sound process in terms of like how collaborative it is and how much, awareness you have but a lot of times like a lot of the work is already done for you mm -hmm. at that point by the time you're doing audio so yeah um that's maybe it's just my personality and my personality is i want to draw and write mm -hmm. and not maybe not everybody wants that but from what i have seen from a lot of production artists they don't just want the job that they have uh they want to they want to be more a part of things mm. and i think just I just don't think that artists should be isolated. And I think that they should get paid really well too. Yeah. But I, you know, I would say that. Um no, that was really yeah, I agree. And I that was really fascinating. I didn't know I didn't know any of that. And so it's kind of the point here to to learn about people's jobs and what they do. Um so one question that I ask to everyone who comes on the pod is what is one piece of advice or information you wish you'd known at the beginning of your career that you had to figure out on your own along the way? I wish that I had paid more attention to what I actually wanted. Um, I wish I had known how to do that. Um, I wish I, I cared less about sort of what other people thought and, um, yeah, I, cause now that I actually have some agency in the work that I'm doing, I can see how I've been wanting to do this for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, th I, I think to myself, oh, well, why, why wasn't I doing this when I was 25? Mm -hmm. I feel so, I feel so ashamed to be in my early thirties now and, um, to, you know, be self-actualizing or like whatever the word is. But um, yeah, I, th I, think, um, I think I would tell people or I would tell my younger self to pay better attention um, to what actually felt good in mm -hmm. work. Um, I think I, I mean, like I'm depressed. I have issues experiencing <laughs> pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why, but um, 
I don't know. Like I see a lot of people who have really self-directed careers who just made what they wanted and then found ways to monetize their desires. And I, I, I don't know. I think self-worth is, is kind of a big thing. I, 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 I hate that that took so long to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what else. Mm, oh, I don't know. Like, don't move anywhere for your boyfriend. That's a good. One. <laughs> That's a good. I think just general piece of advice in life. Yeah, for sure. Actually, yeah. both are. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the best that I, I got for, for now. I got a lot of regrets, but <laughs> those are like the large ones. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me on the podcast with Whisper Network. It was really a pleasure talking to you and learning about what you do. You too, Nikita. Okay. The Whisper Network is produced and distributed by Critical Frequency. Our producer is Amy Westervelt. Our theme music is by David Whited. This episode was recorded at Ford Studios in Los Angeles, and our sound engineer was Matthew Nelson. You can find The Whisper Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review the podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Plus, it helps us find new listeners. Thanks for listening.